Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister. You can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, including our brand new brake shootout, which I have been working on for a super long time and I'm quite proud of. So check that out. It's up on the site. And I think it's going to get you a long way in figuring out what the right pair of brakes are for your next bike. Anyway, my guest this week is Braden Bringhurst, who has just this fall pulled off the pretty remarkable feat of climbing the whole enchilada trail in Moab and in doing so cleaning every single move on it on the way up. And the movie that he put out about the effort, 8,600 feet, is pretty excellent as well. And so Braden and I sat down to chat about that effort and a lot of the most interesting stuff in the movie to me as we get into here is just about the mental side of the whole project and how difficult a lot of those parts were. And Braden talks about it really well and has some good insights to share about all the various components that go into putting together such a big project as this. So we'll get right to that in a moment, but before we do, I want to take a quick moment to encourage you to check out our Blister Plus Spot membership, which, in addition to all of the regular great benefits of a standard Blister membership, also gets you our spot insurance to cover you in the event of an accident, skiing, mountain biking, running, a whole list of outdoor activities that we've got in the link in the show notes, and save you from a potential world of financial hurt when you get physically hurt as well so this is something that we really strongly believe that most of the folks listening to this should have even if you do have very good regular health insurance and so check it out it's a pretty amazing bunch of benefits and i am very psyched to have it myself so have a look at that and with that let's get right to my conversation with Braden bringhurst Braden, great to sit down with you and chat about your 8,600 foot film and big effort that went into it. So looking forward to this. How are you doing and where are you today? Oh, thanks so much for having me, David. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at my house here in Boise, Idaho. Uh, doing well. Just It's freezing. I, I dropped my kids off at school this morning and it was uh, 11 degrees. So uh, yeah, it's it's chilly. It's winter and just trying to not go crazy inside. <laughs> right on. Well, I hope you're, you're still managing to stay warm and get outside and do something a little bit interesting in here. Yeah, I try, but I, I've been doing a little bit of snow skiing and that's been really fun. But um, yeah, just trying to just hop on that stupid trainer and keep the legs somewhat fresh. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I guess speaking of keeping the legs fresh, uh, kind yeah. of main thrust of the conversation here is going to be the pretty wild effort that you just made to climb the whole enchilada in Moab and yeah. the film around <laughs> it and um, a lot to cover here. So I guess just to kick it off, I mean, the film's called 8,600 feet in mm -hmm. reference to the total amount of climbing you wound up having to do to pull it all off. And a significant part of that was that the, for folks who haven't seen it and aren't familiar, the whole point was that you were insistent on actually riding the whole thing and so you, you weren't going to walk mm -hmm. anything you weren't going to uh, not obviously you didn't you know clean the whole trail in one go but did ride every single portion of it and i guess just the first question i have is where did that idea 
first come from and when was it that you first started thinking that maybe this was something that you wanted to have a go at? <laughs> yeah, so totally crazy. Uh, in 20, 2020, I had this crazy idea to set out and climb the whole enchilada and it was kind of a culmination of a few different things. Um, you know, after I graduated uh, my, with my undergrad, I had a goal of running a marathon and I was like, um, the furthest I had ran, I did a half marathon and it's just so intimidating. Running is so hard. It's so hard for me, but I just, I love the challenge. It's like such type two, cut you to the core in like 30 seconds type fun. And so I set out and I, I ran a, a marathon slow last place in the whole group and I didn't care at all I was just so stoked that I I set a goal to do something that I kind of thought maybe I couldn't do and so you know I I kind of had this this uh this desire to to do this type two uh endurance type stuff deep down in me because it's kind of an area that I've never really developed or really worked on everything I've done has been really short, you know, um, bursty type athletic feats. And so there was that kind of in the back of my mind. And then, um, you know, 2020 was just such a crappy year (laughs) for so many people. And, um, you know, just getting real transparent here, there was, um, like a 21 year old kid in my hometown. Um, and, uh, we were shredding and he was just a great kid. He was a great rider. And it was shortly after that, that I heard that he, uh, he took his life and I was just like, damn, like that's horrible. And then a couple months later, there was, a uh, another, thing that went out kind of through socials, like remember so-and-so. And And I was like, what happened to my friend? And he's like, yo, he was a dad of two kids and married and he was a mountain biker. These are all mountain bikers in the little like mountain bike community. And he's like, yeah, he took his life. He was just really struggling with everything going on. And, And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is like just so close to, to me, like these people right around me. And I know the suicide's a, you know, global problem and it's, it's been happening for a long time. And, uh, and so I was just like, man, what could I do? Like, is there anything that I could do? And I had never made like a feature film before, but I have a background and an education in filmmaking. So I was like, maybe I could take this desire to do some super endurance feat and, uh, and maybe make something to share with other people, you know, my process, like, I don't really care what the feat is, but show people my process. And then, you know, I've been really fortunate to have worked with an incredible sports psychologist um, named Craig Manning, Dr. Craig Manning. And I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, uh, Dr. Manning, um, I'm making a film about climbing a mountain he has no idea what the whole enchilada is. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's just, a, I'm climbing a, a climb and I'm, I'm showing my process, but I would love to share um, the things that I've learned from you 
with the world. He said, oh, you bet, buddy. Come on out. So I flew out to uh, Milwaukee where he's he's the strength or the mental strength coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, I got to interview him in his house and he was gracious enough to give me the okay and the thumbs up to share that in the video. And, and, uh, and, you know, of course I wanted to make it no, uh, no barriers to watch. So we put it for free on YouTube and uh, just wanted to get it into people's lives. If there was anything good people could take from it. And so, man, that was a big answer to your question, <laughs> but yeah, it just kind of stemmed from like this, this desire of like, what the heck can I do? with the talents and resources that I have to just put something good into the world. Cause there was just feeling like a, you know, a heavy last few years for, I feel like a lot of us. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the stuff about kind of the mental side of the whole climb and the preparation for it is one of the most interesting things about the film. And it's like, it is of course, an impressive physical achievement and the riding is is impressive but as we'll get into here i think that kind of one of the things that really stands out from it is that you, there are a handful of specific moments or portions of the climb that were kind of the specific cruxes of it technically and it as the film shows really nicely it took you a lot of work to get through all of those and kind of well one sort of figure out how to do them the first time around but then maybe even more significantly knowing that you were setting out to do this climb in one day and that it might take you dozens of tries to clean a couple of the specific moves on it and sort of having that hanging over your head and knowing that you've got what's going to be a long day and a ton of effort no matter what that is potentially going to only get amplified by the fact that, you know, maybe you'll, you'll pull it off quickly, but you might end up hung up somewhere for a really long time and doing a whole bunch of super high output, super just physically demanding moves over and over and over again and kind of beating your head against that wall seems like a really tough thing to try to tackle. And so like that all very much makes sense, but I guess one of the things that I'm still curious about is that like this idea of having a big endurance challenge of some description with a, with a heavy mental component to it as well. Uh, and wanting the sort of film, not just doing it, but the process behind it totally resonates. I guess I'm just still a little curious, like how you chose climbing the whole enchilada specifically out of all of the things that generally fit that description that you could have gone for. Yeah, for sure. So like, uh, another full transparent moment is I like, I'm 34 years old. Um, I never planned at all to be a professional mountain biker. Um, you know, I did, I went to college for, I got a degree in film. Um, I went to Boise state and got, uh, uh, an MBA and, you know, I have a history in sales and I was fully, um, I was fully content just being a regular person in society and just, you know, moving, moving on that way. And, uh, as I started to get into mountain bikes, obviously I love the downhill. 
I love jumps. I love style. I love tricks. You know, I love all of the elements of riding a mountain bike. I would say that most people love. Um, but one thing for me that really kind of separates me, not that I would say I'm the best by any means, but one thing that separates me in the world of many mountain bikers is, um, just the attention and the focus that I put on the climb. So a lot of my edits that I do, um, is me showing a significant amount during the film of the climb. And, uh, you know, I have a background of track and field and I was a pole vaulter and the only way you would get up and over big heights was by working your butt off day in, day out, working on your vertical jump and your speed. And there was no gravity helping. (laughs) So, um, I just became the best and most explosive athlete that I could potentially be. And so coming over onto the bike with a love for everything else, um, I could take that athleticism or whatever, and I could pretty, I mean, there was a lot of work to develop for sure. Um, but I could do things that a lot of other riders maybe couldn't do in the same way, you know, historically speaking, mountain biking, people have done trials and they do more hopping style climbs. And, um, and that's great, you know, but for me being a skier and, and loving that sense of flow and fluidity, um, I wanted to maybe approach climbing a little bit differently and try to make it a fluid motion. You know, Chris Ackrig is a huge inspiration for me, um, in the mountain bike world. And he mixes that fluid with the trials really well. Um, I don't have any trials background, so I don't really even know what I'm doing when I try to hop around. So, um, I've just used line choice and pedal placement and momentum and, and output of energy and power to, to make that climbing possible for me. And so, you know, it was, it was really a personal goal. And I knew that it was a a pretty big one. Like it kind of scared me for sure. (laughs) Um, But when I looked at the stats and I said, okay, it's 27 miles, it's 8,000 feet. um, It has a lot of technical climbs. I think this is something that I could do. You know, like I had been to the bottom of it with my buddy Kyle Mears and we kind of dabbled in some of the sections. The first one is called the banger that I named. And, uh, you know, four years now I, I ago, I went there with Kyle Mears and sat there for a couple hours and sessioned and figured it out basically. And so I was like, well, I mean, that was a really tough section of the trail. So I, I knew there probably wasn't much more things that were difficult than that other than the snotch. And then other than the top where it gets like 20 to 25 plus percent grade. And so I just, you know, kind of let those ideas just sit there and then, uh, and then, yeah, it's like, what can I do? And I just like sat quiet for quite a while. I talked to my wife. I was like, I think I want to try to climb this thing. And, uh, 
and then obviously it's like okay how can we how can we make this more than just here's some crazy guy climbing his bike how can we make this um, a message for anybody whether they're on a bike or not and that was really the goal but I wanted to have a legit challenge for myself that showed in a very transparent way the pain and the struggle that you know I had to go through and the mental practice that I had to like put into work because there were so many times when this climb was was so big and there were some features that were so difficult that I was like let's just say like a centimeter away from doubting Uh, I was so close and and I just practiced what I had been taught and it was just like positive thinking you can do this positive affirmations filling the mind with things you can control and all these things and I just sit here now and like I did a a little seminar thing a few days ago and I just stand up there I sit here with you right now just in pure gratitude that it worked out and that uh that I'm that I get to be part of it because it's uh it's really it's really cool to hear the feedback and and the people that have you know messaged me or sent me emails about this or that and I'm just like wow you know that's not me <laughs> that's not me I just am so grateful that people are getting good things from the film I think one of the things you touched on there that is sort of one of the most interesting bits that comes out of the film, at least to me personally, was that sort of, you know, climbing an 8,600 foot day is in a vacuum, you know, a big day, but like not necessarily like doing it under sort of more normal circumstances isn't like the stats isn't necessarily that totally bonkers. But what really sort of makes this particular one hard is that it's generally quite technical climbing. You're not just grinding up a fire road for huge chunks of it, of course. But then as the film sort of laid out, you had what you kind of saw as the big four kind of crux portions of it. And um, you touched on a couple of them already, but in particular, the first three were the really kind of, more strictly technical ones. You had banger snaggle and snotch as you named them. And one thing that the film does, I think really well is sort of show you going out there well ahead of the actual day of attempting to climb and just working them out and figuring out what you needed to do in order to get up them. And so I guess something that I'm curious about is you started to have this idea germinating of I'm going to try to climb the whole enchilada in a day and then set about sort of taking off the requisite steps to make it happen. And as the film shows, I mean, you're making dozens, if not hundreds of attempts at some of these moves to check them off for the first time. And were there ever particular moments where you were, or maybe a better way to phrase it is, was there a particular moment where you kind of really felt that, okay, this is in fact achievable or were you kind of going into it 
pretty much feeling that the whole time and just needed to figure out how to get it all to come together or what what did that part of it feel like because you know as particularly on the prep for the snotch it you know you spent a very very long time working that one out and were you getting discouraged how was that going great question yeah i mean i so looking at this thing um kind of the way that i approach like a goal and and is kind of like been a huge um helper of me for reaching goals is like okay where do you want to get what do you want to do and then getting as specific as you can get to reach that goal so it's not like you know i just hope i can reach it i'm just gonna try hard every day um no but like to come up with a actionable program how am i gonna get more athletic how am i gonna improve my endurance how am I going to tell the story? Because this whole time I'm thinking in my mind, I'm also the producer of the film. So how is this going to be a story? So I'm like, okay, this is so much to handle. Um, and so I started reaching out to people that I really trust. Obviously, my wife trusts her with everything that I am. Um, I reached out to my dear friend and buddy, Greg Montgomery, who uh, is my riding homie. He's uh, also an endurance athlete, and he helped me strategize and kind of become the uh, endurance coach and support for this. Um, And then I reached out to a dear friend named Kim Cross, who I just admire her so much. She's a fantastic rider in the outdoor space, just in general, but she's had a lot of success in the outdoor space. So Kim Cross was helping. Um, My wife was right there for every aspect. Greg was right there for the endurance component. And then I had obviously Dr. Manning for the mental strength. And uh, and then my mentor and inspiration kind of guru, Kyle Mears, who has been a Moab local for 30, 40 years. And so... Um, I had all these people that believed in me and when I, I I was very careful with who I told this stuff to because I didn't want to put doubt in my minds. And so, um, started putting together this team and then I came up with a game plan and I was like, okay, so this is what I'm going to have to do. This is what I'm going to have to do. This is what I'm going to have to do. And originally I, I thought that this was going to be a two 15 minute uh, vlog style short doc. And, um, you know, I'm kind of showing myself go down there and I put the little mic on my shirt so you can hear me. I throw the drone in the air and I'm just like getting footage as I'm going down there and trying to figure it out. And I went down there in May or April. I think it was May and, or maybe it was April, sorry. And, um, I thought I was going to just be able to show my process a little bit of me figuring out the climbs. And that was when I was struggling so hard on the snotch. Um, And Nicole's like, is this possible, Brayden? And I'm just like, yes. But deep inside, I was just like, I seriously don't know. But I just put to practice what I've been taught. So I was like, yes, I think it is. And, uh, that 
and the effort that that trip took, I was kind of like, holy frick, I, I got myself in something pretty big. <laughs> and so I'm just like, oh my gosh. I was like, okay, well, why not? Like we let, let, let's give it, you know, let's give it your best effort. And so I just had to get busy on the explosive training, had to get busy on the fitness, like endurance. So I was doing my big rides every week. I was doing my, you know, my, my running, my plow metrics. And, uh, and I was just making those efforts as consistent and as deliberate as possible. And then, uh, and then the moment that I want to talk about where you said, was there a moment where you were like, I can do this was, um, about five weeks before the climb. I went down there with Greg and, um, I'm trying the camera dies. None of this is on film, but the camera dies and it's four hours into the session. And I am like, I am so close because if I don't, if I don't get the snotch for any of, for anybody listening that doesn't understand the snotch is basically two switchbacks, um, where in 300 feet distance, um, you're going up approximately 30, 40 feet, two switchbacks, rocks only chunky rocks, really, really just nasty looking trail. And so I had to get up this thing. And, uh, and when I went down there with Greg, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And we let down the pressures. So we took my tire pressure down as low as we could, which was 11 PSI. So we're like, okay, let's make these tires just as grippy as possible. Cause you, you see rock crawlers out there and their tires are just squishing around rocks. Right. So you're like, okay, well maybe this, this is what we got to do after, you know, months of deliberate training to be even more explosive and more powerful than I had, have ever been. And so we get down there, we lower the pressures. I'm fit. I'm strong. I'm as ready as I'll go lower my fork pressure, turn the rebound all the way on. So it's not bouncing out. It's staying sucked in. And, uh, like I said, this was four hours into this session and I just keep believing like you can do this, Braden, you can do this. And I give it everything I have on this one attempt. And my buddy Greg was off to the side with his hands up, like ready to catch me. Because if I fall, it's going to be a pretty, it's going to be a pretty painful one. And so he has his arms up ready to just brace me and just like deflect me off the rocks down below. And I give it everything I have and everything that I've practiced up to that point with like my power out, my, my power outage, my traction and everything. And I, and I give it all and I, and I float right up the crack where um, I then land on the top slab. I still have another you know, eight feet to go, but I land on the slab in the attack position, ready to power and keep going. But uh, that wasn't important. The fact that I just got up on the slab and I was in that power position, I just broke down. Like I just was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. Like, I just sat on the rock, completely broke down, 
and was so in the film, I said I was so full of gratitude because it was at that moment that I realized I could do this feature. And uh, it was 4,000 feet into the ride. It was all these other components, you know, had to come into play, but I knew I could make that feature. So then when I went back down there the next weekend with Kyle, I got that feature. And soon as I get something on my bike, I can do it over and over and over and over and over again. So I, I was fully confident. There was not a lack of doubt in my mind that I couldn't do that snotch, which was a huge dose of confidence. And yeah, there was so many other things that had to come into play for this climb to work out. But that was the moment where it was like, I'm going to do this. That I, I'm going to do this. Like, Leading up to the climb, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, there's so many moments this, the, the banger, the snaggle, the snotch, the top that were question marks. And that's why I was so eager and driven to figure it out before the day. So there was no questions as far as my effort and my skills. There was weather, there was other things, but I knew that my mind was as ready as it could get. My physical body was as good as it was going to get for the circumstances. But technically, I knew that I could nail all those moves. And so when that day came, yeah, it was like, all right, just take a deep breath. Conserve your energy in between. And you got this. And that's like, wow, it was, I look back now and I'm just like, full gratitude. I can't believe it worked out. It was such a big deal for me. And it was something like I say at the end, like that I just want to be able to pull from for the rest of my life because I'm not personally a mental giant. I'm not like a mental strength expert for myself. This is just an experience that I got to practice what I know and not give myself any excuses to, to deviate. And so I was just like, can't believe it worked out. <laughs> it was crazy. I think it's maybe worth taking just a moment to describe the snotch in particular in a little more detail to folks who haven't seen it. And it's like, I mean, as you described, it's sort of a pair of switchbacks that you, that gains quite a bit of elevation in a pretty short space, but at least from, you know, watching it and looking at it, it kind of seems like the crux of it actually happens before the first turn. You have this very, steep first like a kind of a little hot move up onto a ledge and then a there's a big rock on the inside and so you've got very limited space to make any pedal strokes and kind of have to time that really cleanly and then a very very steep section of rock slab that you primarily just have to power up but the line is fairly precise you don't have a lot of room to work with and limited ability to carry much momentum into it because of what's below it that gets you and that's kind of the part you were just describing there as being the like bit that you kind of topped out on and and then from there you make a right hand switch back traverse not nearly as steeply for a moment and then there's another pretty tricky left hand switch back after that but the, the those bits weren't quite as gnarly as the 
just that first section of getting up to the first right-hand switchback, basically. And so, yeah, anyway, all that said, I guess there's a very palpable change in your tone in the film as you are going through the progression of sort of checking, checking the biz of it off. And even before you do actually clean it for the first time, there's one moment where you say, I think it was like, I'm getting so angry. I can't focus. It was the, just the frustration of having been up there for hours and tried this one move. I mean, literally dozens of times at this point and having not gotten there. And even once you had checked it off the first time and demonstrated that it was clearly possible, how were you sort of approaching having that hanging over your head for the day of? Because it just seems to me that like, it's one thing to know that it's doable, but being worried that you have this extremely long day planned, it's going to be an enormous effort no matter what, and, you know, knowing that it's possible that even though you know that you can do it, maybe you're going to get hung up and have to take 30, 40, whatever tries at it in order to get it right. And both the expenditure of time and effort to do that is going to just both be mentally really hard, but also physically just detrimental to your chances of pulling the whole thing off. And so how did you go about doing whatever you needed to do to sort of put those fears to rest or at least get after it. Yeah. I'll tell you my process for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you my process. So I, I, I knew, and this is something I learned when I was pole vaulting in college was you only have so much energy at the end of the day, each day you only have so much emotional energy, physical energy, mental energy, spiritual energy. And so I, and this is what I thought was interesting by just being part of the day and seeing how it unfolded was the, the areas that I, so the snotch. Okay. So I went down there. This people are going to think I'm nuts, but that snotch between those two switchbacks and everything involved, I had between seven and 800 physical attempts on that thing. Um, that what that didn't count my mental attempts. Okay. <laughs> so like, uh, you see in the film that on the banger in the beginning, that was the first time that I had ever made that entire thing was on the day. And that took me three attempts. So the way I did that was I have my notes. I know exactly where my pedals and where I need to be gripping I visualized it every day, how to get up that climb. Um, I had done sections of it so I could piece it together in my mind. Um, And so I had already practiced it so many times that when the day came, I was going to execute it. Um, Now the thing that I think is funny, and that's the same for the snotch, that that first part that you just described, that's that stupid rocky and then slab to that first switchback. I had visualized, memorized, I could taste myself, I could feel what it felt like to make that thing. Um, And so those two in particular were the ones that I basically 
could I could I could tell you every detail about those climbs. Um because I knew that when this day came, I couldn't just take just multiple attempts and burn myself out. I needed to get these climbs, you know, relatively quick. I wasn't going to let myself get worked up on a couple attempts, but I needed to just get through them. And what's funny is looking back on the film, that snaggle, oh, that thing's so stupid. I didn't give it the proper attention that I needed. I, I made it and I was kind of like, check it. I got it. No stress. And same with that stupid top switch back on the snotch as I was kind of like, I got that. I never had issues. I mean, I had issues, but nothing like the banger and the snotch, the first part. And so, yeah, the amount of mental and physical preparation for that first part of the snotch and then the banger. I'm proud of myself for getting the banger on third attempt and getting the snotch that I linked together for the first time ever on fourth attempt on the day. And I was just like, man, that is cool. And then uh, because I had just spent so much time preparing for it that I was, and, and I, my mind was so focused on the little cues like where my pedals needed to be, when I needed to power, how my will needed to turn on this little dot on the rock. Um, I was so focused on the process and like in the moment that as soon as I got up and I turned and I, and I jumped and I was like, whoa, I was just, I was like, I just did it. Like I just did it. You know, I was the first time I had ever made the whole thing right there. And I was just like, it, it worked. It absolutely worked. And so it was just, uh, it was just the amount of preparation prior. And then the, 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 the gnarly reality that I had to get up it on the day, uh, it was minimized because I was just so focused on the details on how to get there. So hopefully that kind of makes sense, but no, it totally does. And that actually perfectly kind of dovetailed into what I was going to talk about next, which is like you just said, when it came to the day of, it seemed like you got through the very hardest parts of it pretty quickly. Like you just said, I guess, because you had been so laser focused and so well prepared for those and got a bit more hung up on some moves that are not easy, but not as difficult as the couple of very hardest ones. And I wanted to, to get to the, the snaggle portion of that because it took you something like 50 attempts day of to pull that one off. And at this point you've got through that finally after about 50 attempts, but then still had the real crux move of the snotch ahead of you. And so I'm curious to how you were feeling at that point because you've been kind of beating your head against this move that's not as hard as the thing that is still remaining and were you feeling that oh man if you know if i had that much trouble with the snaggle like what on earth is going to happen with the snotch or was it the case that your prep was like you're like okay but i have been focusing on the snotch in my preparation so much that i do still feel confident that I have that dialed kind of where were you at in that moment? 
Okay, so yeah, so for anyone that hasn't seen the film, at uh, roughly two miles into this climb, so basically just leaving the parking lot, as Greg says, uh, there's this feature called the snaggle. And it's like six feet tall. It's got like a super off camber spine in it that sends you into a rock. And there's no way your bike can make the little elbow at the top to, to keep going. And um, I had made it previously a couple times. And so I wasn't too worried about it. And the day came and we got there and uh, I started going for it. And I started kind of just like tripping up over myself like, okay. And I just like tell myself like, Brain, you got this. Like you can do this. And 10 attempts turned into 20 attempts and 20 attempts turned into 30 attempts and 30 attempts turned into 40 attempts. And I started to go kind of down this hole like, and I even like let out a huge yell. I'm just like, God, like, come on. Like you can do this. Um, Truth was, is for one, I, my mind was preparing for the snotch. Um, I was not as in the moment as I needed to be. And I was already kind of checking it off like I made it when in reality, I, I was just getting punched over and over again by this little feature that we call the snaggle. And so I had to just like consciously just like bring myself back to the moment keep focusing on the little cues that I had made to get up it. And, uh, you know, 52 attempts later got through it. And like now that, that thing was completely unexpected. I was, I was concerned that I just spent so much energy that early in the ride, but at the exact same time, what else was I going to do? There was no reason on getting bummed about it. So we accepted it and just moved on. And like, you know, I just, right after that, you know, I, it was, it was like, no, it, mentally, it was like, no big deal. Keep cruising. Let's have fun. We're doing this. It's a beautiful day. Um, but the reality of it was like, I just spent a lot of energy on that thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I, I did not let that affect, uh, my approach to climbing the snotch, my approach to, because between the snaggle and the snotch, we still had 3000 feet of ledges. I mean, I still had to basically do, you know, I don't know how many burpees, but I had to do full on bike jumps for 3000 feet basically to the, the snotch. So I still had things I needed to focus on looking back, wasn't going to help. And that was kind of my mental state. I mean, I guess that does sort of seem like it would be what you would need to do at that point, but also probably easier said than done in a lot of ways. And one thing I am curious to loop back on a little bit too is, so we've talked a lot about how you kind of spent a lot of time going out there in advance of the actual day of and getting the moves dialed in that you needed to and visualizing the hard parts and kind of making a plan for all of that. And then also just the sort of baseline training to have your fitness where it needed to be to do all of it in one day. But I'm curious about kind of the 
planning and logistics side too. I mean, how did you, did you have a day on the calendar well in advance or were you kind of targeting a more general window and we'll sort of figure we'll see when the weather lines up and whatever else, or how did you go about planning that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, mobs a pretty hot place and, uh, burial pass is pretty high. <laughs> so we had to do this in a time when down low wasn't super hot, but we had to do it when there wasn't going to be snow up at Burrow Pass. So we had like a, we actually had a date locked down for October 17th. And um, when I was down there with Kyle and I was getting the snotch dialed, you know, really right before I was going to climb it. He was like, yeah, October 17th is not going to work. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay. So when is good? And he was like, well, I mean, you just need to do it definitely sooner than that. And I knew that because traffic on the Honcholata Trail is massive. Like there are so there are thousands of people that ride that trail every year. And it's it's primarily a shuttle trail. People get shuttled to the top. They ride down. It's a huge day on the bike. Um, that being said, there are people that go up and down it. Um, and so I had to do this on a day that was the least busy, you know, statistically. And so that was like a Tuesday. So like a Tuesday, uh, that was the day when most shuttles were as full and was going to be my best bet as far as not running into a bunch of traffic. And so it was a Tuesday. So it was October 17th, the Tuesday and the kind of the interesting point to this was when I originally pitched this idea, it was going to be my wife filming the whole thing. Um, and gratefully and awesome. We, um, we're having our third child that, kind of came into the mix. And so um, all of a sudden my wife wasn't able to film it. So I reached out to a dear friend and somebody that is so good. His name's Tori Powers. He's a filmmaker, cinematographer. And he was like, yeah, I can, I can be there for the 17th. And then I was like, what about a week earlier? And he's like, ah, I'm filming um, one of the pro rampage riders. I'm filming him the week earlier. So I was like, oh man. So what about October 5th? And he said, uh, yeah, that's actually right when I'm going to Rampage. So I could go to Moab first because he's from Colorado and then head over to Rampage. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do October 5th. And uh, I was also stressing, <laughs> trying not to let it work me up. But um, the Boise Mountain Bike Festival was on September 20th. Um, we were moving on the 22nd. And then our third child, Hallie, was to be born in between the 22nd when we moved in and the 5th when I go climb. And I was just like, this is just, I can't even think about like what's going on. And so um, the baby came healthy and happy and Nicole, my wife, was doing great. But I was still just like, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing? Um, so she was like pretty quickly, like, no, just go do it. Like, you'll be fine. So on Monday, um, I blasted down to Moab with my dad 
uh, the fourth. And in the film, you see Monday night, you see uh, the night before, and I'm in Kyle's house. Greg's there. He's helping me get my diet all dialed. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we, we set out, we, we climbed it on the fifth and it was just once again, like so amazing to me that I made it October 5th, the next night that summit was a foot and a half under snow. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't control that. Like that was just felt like the universe, like helped me climb that thing or at least make it possible and it was like a really just special moment because that was another reason when I was like this is bigger than me you know this isn't no one cares if I climb this thing like it was just cool it was just really cool and then yeah so it kind of came down to like okay we need to climb this thing before the snow and not when it's too hot down low and like I said before, I sit here just like grateful that it worked out because there were so many pieces to the puzzle that I did not have control over. Right. That's a a lot of moving parts to have all line up and pretty fortuitous that it all came together like that, but certainly glad that it worked out and that it all, all lined up. You touched a little bit on it there with, and there's the bit in the movie about you in the house night before, just piling up all the food and getting everything lined up. But would be interested to hear more about how you prepped all that kind of stuff, just both in terms of nutrition and gear that you were bringing up and bike setup and all that kind of stuff. What were, were the goals for how you were going to organize all of that? And how did you think about what you were going to need to give yourself the best shot at success? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I wanted to climb this thing on the bike that I ride. I didn't want to like make, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make a custom, like, I don't even know, hill climbing bike that I would, that I didn't ride because training for this, I just wanted to ride my bike, you know, each day and, uh, and then ride that same bike when I did my big day. I didn't want it to feel foreign. I didn't want to be on something that I didn't love. So I rode my regular bike, which is like a Canyon Spectral 29. And, uh, it was just awesome. The fact that, um, I was reached out to and was provided some pretty cool suspension from rock shocks called flight attendant, which uh, basically helps you conserve energy in the duration of a big epic ride, which was like what I was going to do. Um, it's, uh, so that, that was like the bike, like the bike, I, in my opinion, I couldn't have had a better bike for me. And then, um, diet wise, you know, I had little to no experience on like a super endurance feat. And so, uh, we did it pretty last minute, but, um, me and my great buddy, Greg, we started to hone in and dial my diet out maybe a month before the climb. And we would come to my house, we would get my nasty almonds, my Lara bars, the Martine, the the gels, all that stuff laid out. And then we would go do a big ride. And every hour I would smash that stuff in my mouth, 
get it in my stomach and we would kind of test like what I felt good with, what made me feel sick. And uh, we pretty quickly and efficiently dialed in my diet. And then uh, when the day came, you know, we're like, okay, this climb is going to take approximately, I don't even know what the plan was. Um, let's just say eight hours. So we need to have, you know, eight bags of, of meals um, at the Snotch. My dad, Tori, and Alex, uh, a friend that showed up to help, had to go to the car and drive around to the Snotch. And they brought us like a subway. Um, and, uh, and that's how they got up there. And then, yeah, the day just continued to take longer and longer and longer with all the unexpected attempts. And it ended up being like 13 hours and just a monster effort. And, uh, the end you can see in the film, I'm just like basically sprinting up like 25% loose rock steep and that diet that training my bike everything played a role in absolutely pushing my own limits in getting to the top of that thing so that's kind of like the the different components that helped it kind of happen i mean you can even hear in the film when i'm just like you can do this brain like you got this like the mental training was on the bike, the physical, everything was, was clicking. And I think that's how it kind of, how it kind of happened. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a nice insight into it. And I'm curious about the bike setup. I mean, one thing that you touched on earlier that I think is both really quite interesting about the whole deal and just, I mean, it frankly makes it sort of a little bit more relatable to me as someone who also has no real trials experience or skills, but like it's worth noting that again, that you were really doing the climbing essentially in what looks more like quote unquote, normal mountain biking, right? You're not, you weren't doing a thousand hoppy trials moves and picking your way up it like that. And, and yeah. uh, you know, that's not to no, talk anything great, bad about trials sport. riding. It's just, no, it's great. It's just, just a different, different beast entirely. And, right. and so, you know, like you said, you did this on a 150 millimeter travel trail bike and were, you know, really just doing a lot of kind of precise and powerful explosive movements rather than wheels locked hoppy moves. And um, you mentioned earlier when you were trying to get this notch figured out the first time around, at least uh, doing super low tire pressures and dropping fork pressure to get the front end lower and so on and so forth. But were you sticking with that program for day of, or what did you do setup wise? Generally, you talked about kind of wanting the bike to be familiar in what you were normally riding, but were you making those kinds of changes again or not so much? Yeah. Good question. So, um, m like every time I ride the bike, uh, I don't, I don't change things. Uh, tire pressure is always the same 29 in the front, 31 in the rear, um, suspension rebounds. Everything's the same, um, up, down. I could ride 
basically everything I rode on that whole enchilada trail, save it be the snotch. I could ride the exact same bike and exact same settings going down um, Dirt Merchant at in Whistler, the biggest jump trail. Like the, It's the exact same things because I just hate adding in those additional factors. I just want to focus on riding. Um, and so when it came down to it, the snotch was was about ready to break me. So mentally, I mean, I would keep trying physically, but mentally I was about ready to give up. And so Greg and other friends are like, you've got to touch your tire pressure. You've got to touch like the bike. And I was like, okay, like I want, I want to share this story. I want to make this goal. Like I'll do it. (laughs) I'll touch the tire pressure. So yeah. So we went down to 11 and then the fork, we went down to 50, full rebound, so it was sluggy. And uh, and that's what I had made the snotch doing. And so when the day came, I had a CO2, I had, the, I had uh, the shock pump, I had everything. So when I got there, it was like clockwork. Boom, boom, boom. Spin the knobs, tire pressures. Boom. Confident as I'd ever been, I could make it. And then as soon as I got up, ate my sandwich, tires back up to 31.29, shocks the same, rebounds, everything back to the normal bike, and I carried on. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely stuff I had practiced. I'm sure I could do it with different bike setup now that I know everything, but I didn't want to even try to switch things up for the climb. It was like, nope, just make it. And uh, And then as far as another level of like, complexity was all of those bursty moves were incredibly scary to me because I have a tendency to cramp as soon as I start exerting my muscles like and asking them to do that over and over and over I have had a history of cramping and once you start cramping it's really hard to get out of and so um i told Greg that's my biggest fear and so he looked at like training and we had to do a whole different training program any mountain bike training we had to completely throw it out the door Um, we didn't go off power meters we didn't do anything traditional or by the book as far as mountain bike goes we looked more at like what is a soccer player uh, what does a soccer player's training look like because they're running uh, pretty constantly, but then they're also super powerful and explosive athletes too. And so, um, what it kind of looked like was every week I would do a, a, a long ride and it would be at endurance pace, which is you're, you're spinning very slow. You're not in tempo. You're just burning very slow and you can build that ultra endurance, uh, fitness by doing long rides at that pace. And then um, a couple of times a week, I would do like a medium ride where I would, you know, do 20 to 30 miles um, at that endurance pace. But then I would do a couple intervals in between there to do the bursty explosive moves. Um, And then once a week, I would do just the super dynamic plyos where I'm like jumping on the table, doing weights, and so, and then all, all the other days I was just doing my own fun jump, riding, having fun, um, because I didn't want this to feel like 
my job, you know, writing's like my therapy. I didn't want therapy to become my job. So I was just like, I just want to, uh, still have fun, but I could do those few workouts each week. And, uh, and then when the day came, the snotch being at 4,000 feet and 15 miles in, I had to just trust the process and trust my coach, Greg, that I would be ready. And I was, and it worked out. Yeah. And I think that's just a good through line from the whole thing was that having everything so finally planned out and knowing just what needed to happen for each little step to come together, sort of what you need to do to be able to pull off something like that. But was there a moment sort of on the actual day of where you had the full kind of click of confidence that, yep, this is going to happen. I'm going to finish this. Or were you, were there moments of doubt? Kind of how did that part of it go? So, yeah, that's, that's a, a fun question. You know, like I knew that my commitment level was a hundred. I was going to do, I was going to give it my best. Um, that I, I knew that I couldn't get worked up on things that I couldn't control because that was, that would take, and that would take some of the energy that I had. And so every feeling of like uncertainty or doubt, um, it, it got so like hard for me that like any, any energy or frustration or anything I had, I tried to just not outwardly express it, but put it into my pedaling. Um, like every effort, every, everything became about just pedaling my bike and just powering up that ending because that was it. That was the only thing I could control. And the weather, as soon as we got to Warren Lake campground, it started to rain and I knew we still had about 2000 feet before the 11,000 foot uh, pass. And it, I, when I got to the campground, my dad was in the car and I like grabbed like a couple things of water and I looked at the temperature and it was like 42 degrees or something, 43 degrees. And I was like, 2000 feet, it's 43 here. We are so close to this thing getting shut down. And so I honestly think that kind of like lit a fire under me. Like, you better go. You better get your freaking bike and start climbing. And uh, it, it kept the intensity just kept. The rain, the storm just coming, the, the colder weather dropping every, about like every 10 minutes it was getting colder. Um, it just... The unknown stayed there the whole day, all the way till the end when it was just like, I made the top, my friends were up there, it's pitch black, um, it worked out, you know? And like the, the uh, yeah, there was never a moment where I knew it was going to work out. That's what's crazy. I just kept like being amazed, like, wow, it's not raining at this particular time. And then it would start raining a little bit. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, I don't know what's going on. And then, yeah, it worked out. And I was just like, okay, 
it worked. Like, I can't believe. And I said it at the top, like the amount, the amount of different components that went into this happening. I'm overwhelmed. Like, I can't believe it. So I was, I feel like I would say I was always super aware of, of all of the things that I didn't have control over, but I kept just putting my energy where I, the only, the only place that was going to make a difference. And that was in my legs and in my mind. I like that answer a lot. And, uh, I mean, I think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap it up on it. it you pulled it off and the movie's great. This conversation has been a blast and really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Yeah, David, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's, uh, every time I talk about it, it, it makes me kind of just like realize how grateful I am that I'm, that I'm a part of it. And, uh, yeah, I hope people that have watched it or who are going to watch it, you know, get whatever they want out of it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for reaching out and, and having me on your, on your, uh, your program. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, yeah, just thanks again for coming on Braden. It's been really cool. You betcha. Have a good one, David. See everyone. All right. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And as always, we would really appreciate leaving us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. I also want to say thanks to Braden for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode. And thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we'll talk to you again real soon. And see a whole bunch of you at the Blister Summit coming up in just over a week now. I'm very excited to be there. It's going to be a blast, and I hope to see you all there. Bye now.